Heard of ESG? It's not some sort of terrible disease or condition. Well, maybe it is a disease. Maybe it is a condition. Um, But it's all about this idea that you can utilize information in the public domain and you get a much better idea of what's going on in the world of governance and ethics and sustainability and society and the environment. And Rob Worthington-Smith is an analyst. He's the founder of Far Sight Firms. And his job is to troubleshoot before trouble hits. And that is the the kind of thing that he does what many people might regard as the soft issues in business this isn't stuff that appears blatantly on a balance sheet it's not something that you will see necessarily coming via the income statement usually though when something goes catastrophically wrong in a business and you look back at what caused it you go if only somebody had looked at the environment if somebody looked at the system if only somebody had looked at governance this could have been avoided and that's kind of what your your study of this slightly ephemeral yes. aspect of business is, this ESG. Exactly. Yes, exactly, Bruce. You know, every business has a story to tell, has a, has a, a story of how it creates value. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're an investor, you're obviously looking for net present value of future cash flows. That's your story that you're telling. Um, and somehow or other, it's remarkable that I think that uh, we sometimes forget to read that story and to try and interrogate that story beyond simply the numbers that are written on a balance sheet. The numbers are historical. The numbers tell us what has happened. Yes. And so we've got to – you and, you, and the, you may be able to, with a little bit of hocus-pocus and jiggery-pokery, be able to project into the future historical numbers and go, well, this company mm. has grown an average of 15% a year for 10 years. The odds are, because of the sector it's in, it can continue to do so. Yes. But – they might have a new board. They might have a new chief executive. The new chief executive might be a really good chartered accountant um, with a terribly adventurous spirit who likes to run assets off the balance sheet and might cheat on taxes. Yes. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what one's looking for, really, uh, is to is to find out what are the challenges that a company faces, but in particular, what are the vulnerabilities that, uh, that it might have as self-imposed as it were through through its structure or through the appetite that it's taken on risk. I mean, we know that you can't really create value without taking on risk sure. in some form or other. Um, we, we're completely uh, uh, agnostic or we, we're not making a moral judgment on what kind of business you should be in or what sort of risk you should take on. Uh, but if you do take on some risk, then obviously, um, then obviously that that needs to be mitigated in some way. We need to explain that risk. Uh, and, and and you sort of go and look for your information, and you troll not not troll for your information, trawl for your information. Yes. going through annual reports. I mean, there is yes. a wealth of information that is in the yes. public domain that. 90-something percent of people probably don't ever refer to. Maybe it's a question of time. It's too complicated. It feels inaccessible. um, Or people struggle to interpret, perhaps, the signals. Yes, I think possibly the latter. So, I mean, if you don't mind, should we look at just the history of where this came from? You know, I think that it started out, there were two streams, really. The one is the King Commission. Uh, which started back in the early 90s to look at governance uh, and to try and prevent the sort of corporate disasters that one, you know, that came along every now and again. And I think we developed quite a reputation here in South Africa through the King process. That's the one stream. 
but guess how companies responded to that? You know, they would effectively tick the boxes. You know, do we have some new policy? Or Russell Loebscher once told me a story about how he, because he sat on the, on the yes. King Commission and helped draw up the King Codes, and he wouldn't name the person. I was so livid with him, but I was doing a project at Gibbs a, a while back yes. um, on, on corporate governance, and he said there was a chairman of a company who used to have a meeting with himself <laughs> and sit yes. and tick. Yes. The boxes and say, yes. so are we in a meeting? Yes, we're in a meeting. Tick. Yes. And with this mad process yes. of compliance yes. by simply ticking the boxes, which right. defeated the entire purpose of King, who introduced mm. a new way of thinking about governance, which quite, was quite right. principles rather than rules. Quite right. And I think there are a lot of people who would suggest that King 4 is actually quite a sort of watered down version. It's, it hasn't become more. Uh, it hasn't. It hasn't become. Uh, I'm going to say the wrong word now. Aggressive, but more. Uh, more onerous. More, yeah, it hasn't become more onerous, and and uh, so I think it's a problem. But that's now the one side. But there's there was another stream that also developed, Bruce, uh, in the in the 90s and 2000s, and that was the whole sustainability movement. Started off with the she reporting, if you might remember from the mines, uh, particularly, and then Schick. You know, they added the Q, so safety, health, and environment. If you might remember, but. Uh, forgive me for saying this, but this is a fantastic opportunity for companies to signal their virtue, to use a yeah. you know to use a phrase. Um, and uh, to be honest, I was one of those um, uh, I was one of those consultants that was used to was to to write reports, um, these sustainability reports, as it were. Um, and uh, and and without doubt, that's really what you were asked to do. Uh, let make me quickly us, make us look good. Make us look good, exactly. Mm-hmm. Will it? Will its window address what we're doing? We, you know, do we have a nice value statement and a mission statement? This sort of thing. I think that uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you actually have to stand for something. I think it's really important that you put out uh, a a, a, a um, uh, some kind of a mission that your business uh, is looking to try and fulfil. If you do that. Uh, uh, if you do that with integrity, you will attract uh, but a bit, good employees. It creates a very cynical approach. And why yes. people don't take this uh, very, very seriously, these soft issues very seriously, is because precisely because it has been abused. Exactly and com- because of that. And, and companies have used it as public relations exactly. rather than as an honest reflection of what companies do and are supposed to do. That That's exactly right. And I think that's partly also why why this 120, 150-page report, the annual report, is you know, and, and and the front end can often be more than 100 pages too. You know, before you even get to the financials, it's not re- it's not read, uh, and how, or hasn't been until very recently. In the days when yes. people, and just and this is where the media comes short as well, because in the days when it became mandatory to disclose uh, to disclose the payment of executives, yes, um, there was a guy at Standard Bank who used to send out the annual reports, the physical annual reports. He used to land with a thwack on your desk, yes. and you'd sit and page through it. He actually stuck sticky notes on the page. On the remuneration pages, just to say <laughs> we know this is the only thing you're interested in. Yes. It's the it, it, it's yes. the Hesch version of the annual report yes. because let's save you some time um, yeah. and and that's what because you're going to write about it anyway. Yes. So let's make sure you see all the important bits yes. and our explanations around it. People don't treat this stuff no. properly, and it and comes down to this notion of triple bottom line reporting. It's not just about yes. the numbers; yes. it's about the environment, it's about sustainability, it's about yes. the social impact yes. of business, and that's where yes. the wheels have come off in terms of public perception of big business. Surely, yes, I think that's that's absolutely right, um, and and I think that uh, you know what we're what we're looking at doing here is 
um, because it is such a minefield, um, we've been very fortunate in that there, there has been a, sort of a, a revolution, if you like, actually in the framework for reporting, so-called International Reporting Council. Uh, you know, we, we, we stand on the shoulders of these people who've done a lot of work. And, and, and I talked right at the beginning about this, uh, create your, your value creation story. And they've, they've presented a really good framework. And the framework is, is really to say, well, if this is, if this is your value proposition for your customers, um, um, along the way, in order to exploit the opportunities that you want to, in order to exploit the resources that you that you may have access to, um, you are going to uh, you you're going to potentially cause harm. You're going to you're potentially going to, you're cause. You're going to dig up a pretty hill that's got a forest on it, exactly. and you're, you're going to denude that forest. You're, yeah. The animals that uh, are there are going to die. Yes. That is the consequence of what you're doing. Exactly. And, and be and, honest about it. And how are you going to fix it later? Yes. And don't gupta it. I mean, do it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't spend the money that's yes. in the fund um, yes. to, to rehabilitate afterwards. Yes. Spell that out. There is a consequence to human development. Yes. Let's deal with those consequences and do it honorably. Yes. And I think that so, so what we're, what, uh, the way this, uh, the, the whole thinking about this model is that it's about leadership maturity. So what we have said, it's, it's not about being goody goody. Uh, because you know that the tendency then will be just to encourage more virtue signaling, which mm. is not what we're looking for. We're actually saying that you're you're a business, you you operate within a context, and it's actually all about that context. That context is, is effectively the ability of society to impose on you uh, restrictions. Maybe not immediately, maybe somewhat down the line, and you need to be aware of those. You need to think a little bit ahead. As to so, if I'm going to operate, uh, we, let's just take the situation of the mines now. The platinum mines, you know, they, they've gone very deep, um, and it's and it's become, you know, there's this question: do we do we put more technology uh, into uh, into how we mine? Um, do we spend more money on this on the safety aspect? Now, now, you know, that if you um, if you don't mine safely, you know, you're going to get a section 54 stoppage. You're going to, it's going to hit your bottom line quite quickly now. Um, but then there are other slightly longer term things. So, for example, you've attracted a, a community around you, effectively have a social compact with that community. You can exploit that community in the short term, but, you know, the platinum price drops and you close the mine shaft, you're going to be in trouble quite quickly as well then again. So, so for um, the way we look at the uh, at the reporting is to say understand what your what your material issues are, i.e. those those issues that are potentially going to loom and get larger in front of you. Understand what those issues are, and uh, and tell us that you understand them and the impact on the business and how you uh, plan to mitigate them. And uh, the question I will ask you uh, in a moment is whether we, when we look at annual reports and we read with this principle in mind of sustainability and we, mm. we look at broader issues rather than just numbers which can be fudged, can we forecast disaster? So mm. could you see that Tiger Brands was going to run into a wall with Enterprise? Could you mm. see that Steinoff was going to have its wheels come off in a most spectacular fashion where mm. the, the country's sixth biggest company would become a mm. small cap share with limited prospects of survival, yes. for example? 
that question and more in just a moment. If you've got any issues and questions around this idea of sustainability and the way in which companies report and the fudging that happens and the lies that happen and the bluster and the bulldust that happens so often in the public relations gathering attempt of so many companies, um, give us a call on 011-883-0702-021-446-0567 or perhaps you believe you do it brilliantly and you just don't get recognized for it. We'd be interested in testing that. Would it be nice if you could forecast looming disaster, if you could get a sense of something that was bad that was going to happen and you could avoid the catastrophe that was going to happen? Is it possible to be looking at annual reports of companies and to be extracting information which looks at the environment, the social consequences, the governance issues that afflict this business? And is the business going to be honest about its disclosures? And if it's not honest, can you tell whether it's being honest or dishonest? Could you, for example... Five years ago, and some people did forecast that Steinhoff was going to come unstuck in some form or other. I don't know if anybody could have predicted it would be as spectacular a collapse as it has been. But Rob Worthington-Smith, put your money where your mouth is. Anderson <laughs> founder at Farsight Firm. Did you have the foresight at Farsight um, to dodge a bullet on Steinhoff? We were we were very fortunate to have uh, have done this part of the uh, retail sector that we did last May, and uh, and they did pretty much come they in fact they came right at the bottom of the heap so how what was it then in yes. steinhoff in may last year a full yes. seven or eight months before it became apparent to the audit committee of steinhoff that they couldn't yeah. sign off on the uh, yeah. on the half year results uh, in december yeah. last year well i think uh, i'm pretty sure that somebody I, I, you know if we'd if we'd let's say we crowdsourced the um the analysis we could have done an even better job because um there's no ways that I could possibly have known about maybe some particular tax fiddle that was going on or some related party transaction in, in Europe. So what are you doing really is that you're looking across a range of issues. We have 24 generic issues which we then cluster uh, or rather prioritize from you know important and less important issues. Um, and, uh, and then we look at the reporting across four different aspects. First of all, do you understand the issue? Are you as leadership able to explain to your readers – what this issue is about, is what this vulnerability might be about. So if you're a retailer, then obviously a really important uh, relation that you might have would, would be with your customers, for example. Let's say that you are not talking about startup right now, but let's say a credit retailer, then you know, the financial health of your customers might be really important. Uh, and so you m- would want to uh, deal with that issue, explain the importance of that issue for your business. I've never once in my many years of, and not with the same level of detail that you look at annual reports, but gone through an annual report and seen an honest retailer going, our customers are deeply distressed. We've lent them far too much money. This is our fault. Oh, boy, we're in big trouble here. Mm. They don't say that. They well, use flowery well, language. Yes, they do. And, and that is, and 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 so probably three or four years ago, this was a this was uh, this was a this was a difficult task because of the quality of the reporting. Let's take the Listeriosis case for example. Now, um, Tiger Brands and ti- RCL, yeah, yes, and RCL. So it was quite interesting when we read the RCL report. Look, neither of them did a fantastic job at the um, at reporting on this particular. The particular issue, and in fact, uh, Tiger Brands effectively said nothing. They just really said, "Look, we're trying to save as much money as possible, and uh, and and uh, you know, pass compliance." Um, as f- what was interesting about our does, sales does, report? Does that sound though? Does that sound a warning bell to you? Saying, "Hold on a second, if if they are almost sort of dismissing yes. health issues within a factory, which later become 
potentially material, mm. yeah. that should send a warning signal. But you've got yes. to be looking for this. You signal. have to be looking for that. So as it happens, I must ad- admit that that uh, that that we. <laughs> Uh, poor, poor pun here. That was one of those kind of slightly hygiene issues, yeah. side hygiene factor. In fact, we were more looking at the uh, at the at the at the healthiness or the the nutrition healthiness of their food. You know, we know we have an uh, obesity epidemic. These guys are basically in the in the business of selling you sugary food, um, and, you know, high carbohydrate food. Uh, so, so the question is, are you are you noting that looming crisis? And they have this. Um, I can't remember what the name is called, this, this, this wellness program, which is really, really properly deceptive. It really is properly deceptive. And, and I, I would say quite misleading. If you, and it doesn't take much digging to figure that out. So then you could say, well, okay, if, if, that's, if you're misleading there, then, and I'm seeing something very, very if you're dishonest in one, If you're dishonest in one yes. aspect of your reporting, what else are you hiding? Exactly. Now, what's interesting about Astral is that, uh, is that they actually acknowledged that uh, they felt that the, um, uh, uh, what's it, the, the health ministry environment, give me the right phrasing, you're better at language than I am, Bruce, um, wasn't tough enough. The regulatory the environment. regulatory you, environment, yeah. thank you very much, wasn't okay. actually tough enough. And they actually raised that as an issue. They said, look, you know, we, we're, we're in a competitive game here. If the, level, if the playing field isn't level, we're going to start taking shortcuts. That's not going to be good, is it? And indeed, it wasn't good. No, it wasn't. So get back to the question that was asked. Did you see the, the Steinhoff train smash looming? Right, and... and, and and so I saw it, but only only again by association with the general um, uh, the the general quality of reporting. What we're looking for is the extent to which you're building relationships and building resources. Uh, and uh, so, if you are building relationships with your customers, with your funders who are lending you money, with your uh, suppliers, obviously, um, if you if you can show that you're building relation, relationships, you have that resiliency uh, for the future. We didn't see. Any evidence of that in the, or can I say, very little evidence why of that in the Steinhoff report? Why should that stuff be in an annual report? I mean, how does it appear yes. in a prop, you know, what most people would regard as an incredibly boring document? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it shouldn't be. This is your opportunity, your once a year opportunity to explain to your shareholders how you're creating value. But without putting a gloss on it, without turning it into right. a PR exercise, yes. without falling into that trap of, um, yes. of, of buying into your own PR. Well, well, really, it's common sense. You, you're, welcome to, uh, you're welcome to propose a brand proposition. But, but here's the common sense, Bruce. If you're going to manage an issue, and you know you were talking just now uh, in, the, in the SOE sphere, I think, if I, if I recall, just before the news. Mm. Um, if, uh, if you have an issue that you need to tackle, first thing, understand the issue. Second thing, uh, hold yourself as leadership accountable for, the, for progress against the issue. Third, use proper um, management uh, uh, KPIs, you know, uh, key performance indicators. Um, so, for example, in the, in the safety, let's use an example there, near misses, for example. It's no use measuring fatalities, which kind of already happened. You want to measure near misses. That will give you maybe an, a clue as to whether you're becoming a less safe environment. Are South African companies by nature honest <laughs> on I, average? I, um, I think that we 
uh, pass? Okay, Can so, I phone so, a friend? No you, no, you can't. So the answer to that is no. And, and so what is the purpose then of trying to understand these annual reports and trying to, to – if we can't trust the disclosures, if we can't trust the information that it, as is presented, if we have to have some kind of sixth sense in identifying yes. the issues because mm. they hire consultants to obfuscate and to mm. fudge – yeah. Then the documents aren't worth the paper they're written on, or yes. these days they're not worth the data they use to download. That, um, yeah. So that definitely was the case. Uh, and it, um, however, as I said a little bit earlier, we're very fortunate to have this framework now, which tends to, uh, which causes you to, it, it exposes you. So, um, and, and here again, I'm a little bit critical of of the King process, Bruce. But in the in the UK, for example. Uh, when you do a board evaluation, you must disclose the outcome of the board evaluation. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine asking a South African company to disclose the outcome of a board evaluation? Now, that would be – but if you do, let's say that that is now the regulation and disclose the outcome of a board evaluation, that paints you into a corner, doesn't it, to actually yeah. respond uh, much more transparently and more maturely, which is what we're looking for. Are we heading that way to better quality reporting so that more of us can actually understand the risk we are taking when our fund manager or we invest in a company? Well, I think that's the wonderful thing about Western democracy or Western civilization, if you like, um, is is that we is that we are becoming more, you know, if you read Stephen Pinker's book, Enlightenment Now and uh, The Better uh, Angels of Our Nature, you'll see that we actually are becoming, uh, I think, over time. We, you know, if we look back just 20 years ago at, at how we were exploiting, you know, the, the resources and the people and the relationships around us, and we look now, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago, uh, I think it is chalk and cheese. I do, I do think it is... Um, it, uh, we're we, we're heading towards a better space, but there's lots of lots of juicy challenges that we that we're still dealing with. Where like, is the next train smash going to happen? Um, in thirty seconds, right? I think. Well, I think we're already seeing it uh, in multi in in social media around um, information, personal, private information that's that not is becoming the answer. compromised. You know, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Where's the next Steinoff? <laughs> Where's the next Steinoff? Um, I <laughs> name names. <laughs> I I I can't. I I obviously not sure about that, Bruce. Um, I, I but mean, are there, there are, war- are there warning signals in a particular sector that credit extension or whatever these issues yeah. might be? Well, um, okay. So I'll talk about the banking sector because we haven't done it yet. Uh, you've got <laughs> Ten seconds, quickly. Yes, I think that there's. Uh, I think there's danger of disintermediation there. Uh, you know, by by the tech firms and uh, and and, and the likes of the discovery. Question. He's not so, answering the question. Well, no, but I am going to be I'm going to be watching for honest disclosure in the in the banking reports. Look hard. I'll get your magnifying glass for Christmas. Rob Worthington Smith, analyst and founder at Fast.